1: Now that there's a land VTL to Malaysia, are you planning Mm -hmm. on going?
0: I think not so soon because there's gonna be a bunch of like Singaporeans and like Singaporean PRs Malaysians basically going home to visit their family or like travel and then there's going to be a massive jam I don't want
1: to be
0: part of that jam basically
1: ah okay but you know like we also always hear that Malaysia is dangerous yeah and the thing is you know I always get my hair done I get a massage yeah. I get my nails done but you never really wander out of the shopping malls, right? Or the more popular, touristy area. You always hear that it's too much. You can get robbed or Uh kidnapped. Alright, but as long as you're in the mall, near CCTVs, near security, you should be safe, right?
0: I would hope so since we did go back like quite a few
1: times (laughs) during uni. And what can go wrong? What if you're kidnapped right in a mall's car park? Just... One day before you're about to leave the country, there's police, there's witnesses, there's video footage. Could you make it home safe?
0: Oh my god, that is so creepy. Because honestly, I'm super scared about getting kidnapped in a car park. (laughs) Before this COVID thing, we used to stay out late, right? Yeah, we did, we did. And sometimes we would like drive out, you know, like... And then we will have like hot pot or whatever in a shopping mall. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, we will go back to our own like yeah. ride back home. So sometimes like when you go back to the car park, and then you are all alone on that level. Oh. And then when I'm walking there, I'm holding my car key so tight. I'm just like, holy shit, I'm going to run so quick. I run to the car, I unlock it. I immediately hop in. I go in, I like close the BAM! And then I immediately lock it. Like I lock the door. <laughs> I make a mental note to myself. Lock it! And then I check to make sure that all four is locked. And then I check the back seat to make sure yeah, that no Yeah, no, one... I always check the back seat. Yeah, no yeah. one, like, came in with me. And then I'll, like, get a breather. But at the same time, I'll always be so scared. Like, what if a face, like, pops up?
1: No, do you know what's scary? Boogish Library Car Park. We've been there oh, for yes. some reason. And then, yeah. like, I remember we were both walking to our cars and we were, like...
0: This is right up my alley of what is considered to be something like scary
1: and fearful. I'm ready for this episode, Teddy. Hi, I'm Teddy. And I'm Michelle. And today, we're covering the rape and murder of Kenny Ong. She was kidnapped from the car park of Bangsa Shopping Complex, one of the most popular shopping malls in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and then killed just hours after... Ong Le She was born on 18th July 1974. She was born in Ipoh, Perak, and her parents were Ong Jang and Perli Viskanathan. So she had both Chinese and Indian ancestors, right. and she was very pretty. Cool. Yeah, and she's she was like a Indian. Yeah, she was like Chindian, oh but like, I think quarter Indian, like oh not half half. And she came from a loving family. She had mm-hmm. two sisters. Elsie and Lee Shen. Okay. Yeah. And Kenny was a great person. She was known to be a good doctor and she was known to be very kind and considerate.
0: Oh, she's a doctor.
1: A good daughter. Oh, daughter. Yes. Alright, and we know she wasn't just pretty, she was very intelligent as well. She studied economics at Hawaii Pacific University. Wow. And after college, she wanted to work in the US. So where do all the Asians go? New York. <laughs> LA. It's true though. And she didn't just find a job as an IT analyst in San Diego. Yeah, She also found herself... A husband. Aye. Aye. Yep. So, Kenny married Brandon Ong in 2001. And fun fact, Brandon's parents were from Singapore. They immigrated to the US more than 20 years ago. Okay. Alright. So, she had a good life. They settled down. It was all comfortable in San Diego. So, we fast forward to 2003, about a couple of years after Kenny gets married. So, she gets some bad news. Her dad had cancer. Oh, no. Yeah. So, she decides to fly back. And on 1st June 2003, Kenny and her husband fly back to Malaysia to KL to visit. Okay. But good news. So, cancer can be very unpredictable. Yeah. And Kenny's dad, he took a turn for the better. So, he was recovering. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, reassured, they set a date. They were like, okay, okay, he's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. So, they set a date to go back to the US. And they were supposed to go back on 14th June 2003.
0: Wait, so she is... A Malaysian like a, She's a she Malaysian grew up Yeah She grew Kuala up Loko. in Malaysia
1: She grew up there oh,
0: That's even scarier Because I mean as a tourist Maybe you know You wouldn't be so clear About like The environment What to do What's safe yeah, What's, what's not. safe And what's not But I think as a local Growing up in the environment You'll be a, a little bit like
1: You'll be a bit more Attuned to the yeah, space Yeah exactly Yeah Oh, it's so scary. Okay, let's continue. Okay, so now let's meet Ahmad Najib bin Aris. Right. Okay, so Ahmad Najib, he was born in 1976. So he's actually only a couple of years, two years older than um Kenny. Right. Yep, and he was born in Mwa, Malaysia, and he had a relatively large family. He was the second of four kids. Okay. Yeah. He studied until secondary three before he had to drop out to work. Yeah, so that's kind of tough, but he was known for being responsible, a hard worker, and quote-unquote, of good character, I guess. Right. So in 1998, when he's about 22, he moves from Mwa to KL, to Kuala Lumpur, Mm. and he lives in Pantai Dalam, and he had a, up to then, a relatively normal life. Right. Okay, he got married, he had two kids, and he had a job. He worked as an airplane cabin cleaner for Malaysian Airlines. Yeah. So we don't really know much beyond this, but there was no indication that this was a person about to commit a horrible crime. No
0: abusive childhood.
1: Nothing that we know of. No... no um, Any
0: reports of him being violent, like domestic violence. No, that's the thing. Nothing. Hitting his children. Nothing
1: It's just like... Oh, okay. It's like Ted Bundy. Nothing until... You find something, I guess. Exactly. It was 13th June... 2003. So, Kenny went for a farewell dinner with her friends and family. You know, whenever you have somebody come in, you gotta, you gotta say hi, you gotta Mm. say bye. And it was her last dinner before going back to the US. She had steak and crabs at the Monday restaurant in Mm. Bangsa Shopping Complex. And now, this isn't a Ulu shopping mall in a rural area. This isn't like, middle of nowhere. This isn't some hole in the wall. This is a large and popular shopping mall in Bangsa KL. It's like, Ion. It's like, Takashimaya It's like thanks You know You okay. you can see it right. It's a mall
0: Okay I'm ne- I've never been To KL before So I was gonna ask you For like a Comparison Singapore Yeah equivalent. This okay.
1: isn't like Okay not saying that White Sense is very Ulu But yeah. this isn't like White Sense
0: <laughs> You know what I mean <laughs> For it's, everyone who stays Around White Sense say, They're like yeah.
1: Excuse me <laughs> I'm so sorry <laughs> Sorry Margaret White <laughs> Sense is great okay There's um A size area <laughs> <laughs> There's a Starbucks Oh, oh A <laughs> chain Yeah Okay Now after dinner Because she's very considerate She realises that her mom is tired Yeah Alright Cause she's the kind of person She just notices this kind of thing She cares about the people around her mm. So she's like Mummy why don't I drive you home first And then I'll just come back And join everybody else So don't yeah. worry about it And so Her mom's like Alright thank you And Kenny goes to the park Yeah To pick up the parking ticket While yeah. her mom and her sister Waited by the auto bay machine you know so just they were to so up.
0: close.
1: Yeah. But that dinner... Yeah. That was the last time that her family would see her alive. So she never returned. After waiting for 20 minutes, Kenny's yeah. sister tries to call her. But the first call wasn't answered at all. Yeah. And the second call went to voicemail, which means that somebody tried she to... Turn
0: off the phone, right? Yeah.
1: Alright. And so they walked through the car park. They were like, oh shit, where's Kenny? Where's the car? Did something happen? So they were looking for a purple proton tiara. It's a purple car. It's, yeah. it's, it's very obvious but the car was missing and Kenny was missing
0: so I'm assuming that these malls in Kuala Lumpur Are like, like huge So then the car park The car park is probably is Pretty big also, right So, so it... you probably can't like See it all, Yeah. even though you are Oh my god But technically they were In such close They proximity. were so close yeah. But it was
1: maybe like A couple of pillars A couple of cars
0: Maybe like a corner Yeah
1: Okay oh my god. And so they go to mall security yeah. And Kenny's mom's Elder sister Their friends They all watch the CCTV footage They watch the CCTV footage Of Kenny Being kidnapped they watched CCTV footage of her being abducted just less than an hour ago. How scary is that? Okay. And the CCTV showed the car yeah. being driven by Ahmad Najid, then unidentified. Yeah. And it is being driven out, crashing through the exit barrier. He just drove out through the exit barrier. Holy All shit. Right? And they immediately made a police report. But yeah. this was already an hour after the abduction, after they checked, after they waited, after the CCTV... Alright, so we don't know what happened in the car from then, but by the next day on fourteenth June, they actually ran into two policemen.
0: Oh, so the the kidnapper
1: and and Kenny, Kenny, they ran into two policemen. And they were plainclothes policemen and they were patrolling on motorcycle near Kalana Jaya. And this is only about 11km away from the shopping Mm centre. Alright, so the policemen, they approach the car and they see Ahmad Najib and Kenny inside. And you know the police, they always ask for ID. Even if you're doing doing nothing wrong, they they do it for due diligence. It's just part of their job. yeah. And so what's strange is that Ahmad Najib and Kenny, they, they gave the cards to the police. They both gave the yeah, cards? Yeah, yeah, the actual ID cards. Okay. Okay. So important. They gave the actual ID cards. And the policeman, he asked Ahmad Najib, he's like, hey bro, get out of the car. Yeah. Yeah, because he he senses something, yeah, something wrong. is
0: wrong, right? And Wait, after Ken yeah. I have a question. Don't they have like a I don't know, like they filed a police report. Like yeah. right? don't yeah. all the police kind of know like, oh, there's this, like be on the lookout for.
1: I I don't know, but maybe they didn't have it back then. This is when? like In 2001. So we were in like, primary school when this happened. So I I think maybe there was like a mess. Don't go to Malaysia panic when this happened as well. Yeah. And so, after Kenny gives the ID, she's making like, hand signals at the police. She's making like, help me hand signals. But I don't think she dares to say anything because she has her kidnapper in the car with her. And the police notices this and he's like, get out of the car now. Uh And Ahmad Najib is like, like, no, he refuses. And he speeds off. And the police... Wait. Yeah. He managed
0: to speed off? Yeah. This is... Oh my god, okay. Yeah,
1: okay. And the police actually shoot their guns at the car and he actually punches the tire but they lose him cause you know chaos traffic like like, let's be honest chaos oh traffic yeah oh. so that's so frustrating cause they actually ran into the police okay but yeah. like in that situation like out of like what do you think the police like could have
0: done when they suspected him cause I think when they asked him to step out of the car yeah. maybe something that they did or like Maybe the body language or something like raise his yeah exactly make him suspicious and made him like panic yeah. But do you think there was anything that the police could have done to kind of like make it like more casual
1: like i think in hindsight it's very hard to say in hindsight mm. you can say oh they should have taught him they should mm. pull him out but like let's say he was just an innocent guy and they just pull him out that would have been like, like brutality exactly yeah so it's a very tough situation for the police to be in and
0: but i think can you imagine like being the policeman like if i'm the yeah. policeman i will have like so much self-blame because exactly i, I was so close to the yeah. guy And if I had caught him then, then, you know, that would have been the the end end of of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: no, I think maybe back then the technology wasn't advanced, but like, I think now if there's like a bolo, like be on the lookout for, like a, I think it would have been conveyed better at the very least. Like, if I'm like, be on the lookout for a purple proton tiara and I just stopped a purple proton tiara and I like, see on like my police thingy, I'd be like, oh my god. (laughs) This yeah. is it. This is this is the moment. But I think in this case they really did
0: right. try
1: their best. Okay. Yeah. And
0: I mean, like, kudos to the policeman who fired the shot, man. Like, it's a yeah. moving target, and he got the tire. Yeah.
1: It's like and pretty he, like, kudos to them for like realizing that something was wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So now Ahmad Najib is on his way again and the police, they want the only witnesses. So remember they punctured a tyre? Yeah. So about 28km away at Jalan Sugai way. Yeah. Another witness saw the car, the proton tiara, the purple proton tiara. It was stopped by the side of the road yeah. and Ahmad Najib was trying to replace the car tyre.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that, that... it got
1: so far.
0: Yeah, because I always thought that if a tongue, a t- a tongue, a a tyre <laughs> puncture, yeah. the car would skid. Or it will be hard to control. Yeah, I think
1: maybe he like muscled his way 28km away. Okay. Okay. And so, he was trying to borrow a tyre jack to hoist up the car so he could change the tyre. And in that car was a lady called Amina Isaha. So now Amina knew something was up. She could immediately sense strange vibes. And the thing about women's intuition is that I really think that women have damn good intuition. I agree. Right? It's a sixth sense. It's a sixth sense. And I think that because we are raised to like sense danger, because they are always like, girls, it's dangerous out there. Which yeah. it is. It is. It, it is. As this
0: case have has it, shown us. Even when, mom, even when your mom and your sister it's like literally standing like, yeah. maybe I would say like less than 500 meters The away. moment you're
1: out of sight, it's like danger, danger. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And so, I agree. If you ever feel like something weird is happening, I don't think you should be afraid to keep mm. right? Especially if your gut feeling is very strong. I think it's better to check it out a bit and then report to the police. Rather than let something slide... When you, when you feel like something's going on, and, and the most nothing is going on, and the police just did a wellness check, but yeah. if not, then you you stop something. Yeah, but of course, like... You PSA. can never know lah, yeah.
0: Like, if you feel like you might be in danger, you know, like, then don't go and hero it. <laughs> <laughs> then yeah. End up having, like, two casualties. <laughs> yeah, don't be a hero. <laughs> <laughs> call the... Call Mata. It's just, if you kind of feel sus about the situation, like... I think you you could be like a little bit nosy and like try to check it out a little bit, but if if like don't be a hero like the guy is like super dangerous, just like immediately like hello police. Yeah.
1: So right. So she looks in the car and she sees Kenny making faces at her. Mm. Yeah. I think that Ahmad Najib really threatened her because she you can tell she doesn't dare to talk, she doesn't dare to shout for help, she doesn't dare to run away. I think like she probably really, really scared her. Okay So she looks in the car And she sees Kenny Making faces at her Trying to get help So Amina She copies the car plate number The registration number And before she could do anything else Ahmad Najib he, he gives up on the wheel And he drives off again Oh He's just like Screw it Alright And she was in the car With her brother-in-law right Yeah So they went to Subang Jaya police station And they reported it Okay Yeah So now like The police have an idea Of where they are Yeah After this Somewhere between 1am and 5am Ahmad Najib raped Kenny in a construction site under a partially constructed bridge near Taman Datuk Harung in Jalan Klang Lama. And after raping her, he stabbed her twice, killing her, and he also strangled her.
0: Just all sorts of fucked up, right? Eh?
1: Yeah, then after that, he pushes her body into a narrow hole and covers it with two tires, two large tires filled with cement and I think he got that because this was a construction site. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, after that he drives the car away and abandons it by a shop house and then he calls a taxi and the next day he returns with petrol. He goes back to the body and he pours all the petrol, all the oil in the hole and then he just sets it all on fire. Oh my god. So there are 69 witnesses yeah. that were interviewed by the police. Yeah. And one of them was a van driver called Azizan Ismail. So initially, Azizan saw them at the construction site. Yeah. At the partially constructed bridge. And he saw Kenny, she was lying topless in the back seat. Yeah. But he thought that they were just
0: a couple a
1: couple hooking up, which I can also see how you can misjudge. Yeah, But then... What's really dark is that he saw Ahmad Najib rape and kill her, and afterwards, he stole Kenny's phone from the car.
0: Wait, so this van driver, okay, okay initially, you know, you might have misjudged yeah. that they were just hooking up at the back of the car,
1: yeah. but he witnessed the rapist and the murderer like committing the act. Like it's not clear How much he witnessed But right. it's assumed That he did Based on the articles That I read Okay yeah. so And then he stole her phone And then he stole her phone And then he stole her phone Yeah oh, which God. is why Initially he was one of The suspects in the case Cause he stole her phone
0: Yeah I mean like I mean okay, yeah You shouldn't be like I, 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 I,
1: I, 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 I know um, you shouldn't be a hero But like Why didn't you stop it Exactly <laughs> Yeah so, Or like Why didn't you call the police To that place right then yeah, And they could have exactly, stopped it Yeah yeah,
0: and I I just can't imagine like how much panic Kenny must have felt like throughout this whole incident because. I think at so many parts of there this story, there were so many
1: people that yeah, saw. There
0: were like glimmers of hope that okay, like the policeman, like if I make enough faces, you know, like the guy, yeah. they will be able to get him off the car, and then I'll be safe. Yeah. And then like you know, she sees another pair. It's not just a lady. Like there's a brother-in-law yeah. with her, so maybe they'll be able to stop him. Yeah. And then like now we're at this construction site. I'm sure like there must have been a moment she was thinking like, okay, maybe Surely will somebody
1: just, will be there. Or maybe he'll just or leave me maybe, afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Like maybe he'll just me and then which is like horrible in itself but I'll be able to walk home or something yeah and I can
1: like go to the police and afterwards
0: exactly but oh my god it's horrible
1: yeah on 17th June four days after Kenny went missing her body was discovered by the construction site manager and she was found with a cloth around her neck her hands crossed around her chest and her legs dangling out of the hole so When they arrested him on 20th June, 2003... Yeah. Because remember, they literally had his ID. Oh, (laughs) yes, they did. His actual ID. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Because he raped her, they were able to match the semen found in her body body to him. Okay. Yeah. And he made a full confession, and he even led the police to the crime scene. Yeah. And so, this was his motive Mm. alright so he was actually there to look for a former employer his former employer a woman that he had a grudge with yeah and he only realized that he took the wrong person when the police checked their ids and so i don't know whether i believe him and it doesn't make it any better and now the police look further into him and they thought that he could be linked to four other car park rape cases Yeah, like he could have been a serial rapist who's escalating. Yeah, but the police couldn't charge him with the other four rapes because the victims didn't want to come forward, which I also get. Yeah. Yeah, and I think because the case was so public, right, the trial started very soon. Because, you know, sometimes it takes months or even years. This Mm -hmm. case started just three months later on 15th September 2003. And now if he was found guilty, he would have faced the mandatory death penalty. Yeah. Even though he confessed... Yeah. He pled not guilty. What? How does that work? <laughs> yeah, right? Okay. And he claimed that he was forced, tortured by the police into the confession. Yeah, okay. but... Don't worry. There's also forensic evidence. There was the DNA.
0: Yeah, there's and the, the
1: semen, right? Yeah. And the clothes that they took from him yeah. had Kenny's DNA on it. Okay. Yeah. Alright. And the cloth that was used to strangle her was the same kind of cloth that airplane cleaners use to clean windows. Which is a bit like, why would you leave evidence from your job? But he did. Because he's stupid. Because he's stupid. And Ahmad Najib's lawyer is a shitty person.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Okay, he went after Kenny. He was full-on victim blaming.
0: He went after Kenny? He went
1: after Kenny. Okay, like how? how? Like what? what? He was like, oh, why didn't she try to escape when he was trying to fix the tyre? Didn't she have a black belt? Also, he was trying to insinuate that she was a willing party. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, and the thing is that, yeah, if my kidnapper is hella scary, and I'm much smaller than him, and I don't know where I am, and it's dark, yeah. is it really, like, you know, it's harder than sit. Yeah. Exactly. And imagine if she tries to escape, and he catches her, like, will she be tortured? Like will Even it be worse? worse? Yeah. Exactly. Okay, and he also said, Oh, the cement tires are heavy. Surely Ahmad Najib, he's one person, cannot carry the cement tires alone. So, so, is he saying that's accomplished or is he saying he's that saying she that helped it couldn't, it? couldn't be him. And he even said this. He even said this. He said that Kenny could have agreed to have sex with Ahmad Najib and the strangulation, the cough was all part of a sexual asphyxia, like autoerotic asphyxiation. Right. What? you can tell that they were like so desperate to exactly. come up with like shitty theories right. and how dare they alright yeah how
0: dare they go after Ken, like Kenny like that
1: yeah exactly how dare like, they there's CCTV footage of, of her kin- literally being like kidnapped and there's witnesses saying that she tried to signal for help to escape exactly and there's so much forensic evidence Okay, and in August 2004, when him, when Ahmad Najib was called to give a defence under the advice of his six lawyers, how, how did he afford six lawyers?
0: Yes, I, I, I'm also curious like how he afforded six yes. lawyers.
1: <laughs> so under the advice of his six lawyers, he refused to speak. Oh. Which is guiltiest.
0: Yeah, this is guilty.
1: Alright. Um, you know, just opinion. do uh. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: sue us. And on 23rd February
1: 2005, After a 52-day trial, the Shah Alam High Court found him guilty of murder and rape. Yes. And for the rape, he was sentenced to 20 years and 10 strokes of the cane. Yes. And for the murder, he was sentenced to death. And at this time, he was 27 years old. In 2007, he appealed to the Court of Appeal in Malaysia, but it was dismissed. He also appealed to the Federal Court of Malaysia, which is the highest court in Malaysia. But they rejected it. In 2009. And he appealed one last time to the Sultan of Selangor for mercy. So, he appealed for a life sentence instead of death. Yeah. But it was rejected. Ha, now you're scared. Yeah. And on 23rd September, 2016, Ahmad Najib was executed by hanging in Kajang prison. If you enjoyed listening to this case... Did you, Michelle? I did. I'm also a bit scared now. Yeah,
0: I am going. Okay, so I've always done this. Um, because my car is like an old car. Yeah. There's actually like a the clicker, the button, the clicker. Yeah. There is also like a car key attached. Yeah. So sometimes, like, if I'm walking back like to my car and the building is kind of like shady vibes. Yeah. I do the thing where I like. Yep, the oh my god, key. and like a little knife. I did it too, yeah, I did my house my keys. Yeah. It's like a little weapon of. I mean, the key looks so blunt. I don't know what damage you can do, I but think it, it gives really me, hurt on the face. Yeah, so. like it gives me some sort of yeah. comfort. But like hearing this
1: now, I'm just gonna drag someone to go to the car up with me. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So if you like this case, you might like the book Crime Scene Asia right. when forensic evidence becomes the silent witness. By Liz Porter. Yeah. Alright, this was also another listener-recommended case. Thank you to Mel underscore dot dashing blue dot underscore comma who recommended this case on 23rd November last year. So we're covering it this year.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Mel.
1: I thoroughly enjoyed this case, I guess. It's a bit of a heavy one and it took me some time to get to, especially because it's so real. Mm. Yeah. For sure. And I used to go to Malaysia like all the time. Hair, nails, paintball. Yep. Yeah. But some happier news, I guess. Because this is such a high-profile case, a lot of shopping centres, they actually installed or upgraded their CCTVs. Nice. Alright, and they added sections near entrances yep. for single female drivers. And oh. some of the malls, they even added panic buttons... Oh, nice. Like at the pillars, so if something's happening, you just you can press smack it, it yeah, yes, smack which it. is super reassuring. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, and you know most malls have security, but I think they either upgraded or hired more people at that point of time, For
0: sure. just to like
1: walk around, make sure everything's all good.
0: I know like this is gonna be like super expensive to implement, but it will yeah. be nice if you know like how. In shows or in dramas, the shopping centres, they have this control room with like whole wall <laughs> of monitors, you know. like I
1: think they do though, to, to, but to watch for shoplifters.
0: Yeah, they are watching for shoplifters, but I think it would be nice if they can watch
1: for kidnappers as well. Right, Yeah. Uh, and I know like Singapore is a lot more safe, but sometimes depending on kapak is really just very ominous. Yeah, but yeah.
0: you know, like we should always be on alert and be attentive to our environment.
1: Low crime doesn't mean no crime. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, if you have any cases that you'd like me or Michelle to cover, thank you for being on the show, Michelle. You're most welcome, Teddy. Drop me a DM on Instagram at a briefcase podcast. And as always, find me online at abriefcasepodcast.com and do join us next week for another briefcase. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more